another week. And that means it's time for another episode of This Is True. Welcome back, I'm Isaiah Sanders. Thank you so much for listening. Full disclosure, I have done zero prep for this episode. Just absolutely none. Um, It's just been a crazy busy week. And I have not had time to even really think about This Is True. So getting here in the podcast studio and we're just rolling with it. We're going to see what happens. Um, yeah, well, let's get into it. I know last week I kind of kind of bragged about my fantasy football team that we were getting ready to go on a run. Um, I, I, I spoke too soon. Probably, you know, it was what's the, the, the Bible verse, you know, pride goes before a fall type of deal. That's what happened. I got a little bit too excited and uh, I was humbled this week. Uh, in, in, in my fantasy league I only put up 55 points the entire team got hurt uh, started B. John Robinson and he didn't play but like two snaps or something he barely played uh, got three yards the whole game picked up a running back on the waiver wire that was like you know he, he was supposed to be doing well he got zero um, started, started the Lions defense they just got Demolished. Um, it it was just not a good. My 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 starting quarterback Anthony Richardson was out, and uh, my backup. He's I mean he's out for the season. Obviously, he got uh, season and shoulder and a surgery. But uh, and and then I I haven't started Dak Prescott, but he was on bye, so I had to start Geno Smith. Um, he only put up like twelve points, and, and it was just not a it was just not a good look for my football team. So I'm here to apologize for bragging too much about my fantasy team and then not backing it up. I, I do apologize. But let's let's talk about college football. I, I need to do fantasy football for college football. I feel like I'd do better. I feel like I know the sport a little bit better um, on the college side. I, I need to do that one of these days. But let's talk about it. There were some exciting games this past weekend. Uh, so just some good just some good good games. Let's 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 get into them. I want to start off. I want to talk about. Michigan, Michigan State, not the, really the game itself, but just kind of the storyline surrounding this game. You know, Michigan State, just, you know, they're surrounded by controversy. Controversy? That, that's, say that three times real fast. They're surrounded by controversy, but, you know, with, with Mel Tucker getting fired and then just all the scandal with him. And, and, and Michigan, they're surrounded this past week with the controversy about the whole sign stealing allegations. Um, which I want, I'll want, i get more into that in a second, but Michigan came out. I mean, this is a rivalry game. It was in East Lansing, and and they just wanted, they just played, they just wanted blood, Michigan, it did. I mean, beat them 49 to nothing. This game wasn't close. And I, I thought it was a really good outing for Michigan to, like, cement themselves. I know there's been a lot of talk the last couple weeks like should Michigan be number one or number two in the in the polls and Michigan played like the number one team now I'm a Georgia fan so I it pains me to say that but they this was a more solid performance than anything Georgia has had all season after seeing that I know Michigan State's not very good but there's still a rivalry game they're still a power five team and Michigan just came out and absolutely dominated them now take a step back does it have something to do with Michigan cheating? I don't know. I'm not here. To, I'm not here to cast judgment on that yet. I don't feel like there's enough information at this point. If Michigan has been doing 
what it's they're being accused of over the last couple of years, I do think something should some punishment should be in place. I think there should be some potential postseason bans, some fines, losing some scholarships. Jim Harbaugh, you know, just, just some sort some sort of like suspension. I know he had that early in the year to begin with. Um, it's just not a good look. Even if they didn't do something horrible, it's it's not a good look to be caught in any sort of cheating allegation like this. And it's just not a good look for Michigan. Um, if they were stealing stealing signs, I mean, look, let's be honest. All teams are stealing signs somehow. The fact that Michigan was doing it in a different way that just happens to be illegal, in my opinion, doesn't make it any worse. It just means that they broke a rule. Um, but because they broke a rule, there should there should be some sort of punishment. But then in the uh, in the Big Ten, we had another big matchup, you know, Penn State, Ohio State. Drew Aller just looked totally overwhelmed in this game. That's the quarterback for Penn State. He just did not look pre- prepared. He didn't look prepared. And, and this was his first Big Ten, like, true road game. He played at Northwestern and at Illinois. But, I mean, there's no ho- home field advantage there for those teams, so that doesn't really count. So, But he had to travel to the shoe, play, and the moment just looked too big for him. And like, he acknowledged that after the game. I just, I've seen some clips of the postgame press conference, and he, he acknowledged that. But that was really the story of the game. Not not that uh, Kyle McCord looked a whole lot better on the Ohio State side, but, I mean, near the end of the game, he did look a lot better, and he he, he didn't look completely overwhelmed. He just didn't play ex- exponentially great or exponentially better than he, uh, than, than he has weeks before. But he, he just he, – I, he, Drew Hour just looked overwhelmed. And if I was a Penn State fan, I would be concerned about that because if you want it to go the places that Penn State wants to go, you got to have a quarterback that can play in those big moments, in those game-winning situations, and Drew Aller was unable to do so. But it was also his first time. Let's see if he has room to grow. He is a first-year starter. Um, it's concerning to me because he, while he is a first-year starter, he has played seven or eight games now. I guess that'd be seven. Yeah, seven games, and it's just concerning that he would still be overwhelmed. But it was his first time, so let's cut him some grace. But if I was a Penn State fan, I would be a little bit concerned. All right, Tennessee, Alabama. Let's move over to the SEC. Tennessee, Alabama. Tennessee, what happened? I mean, y'all came out in the first half and just absolutely owned Alabama. And then the second half comes around, and y'all can't even score a point. And I've seen some Tennessee fans on the internet blaming the refs for for some things. And I'm not here to say that the refs didn't make any bad calls. But you can't blame the refs when you didn't even score in the second half. I mean, it'd be one thing if you put up some points and there was a horrendous call, but... You can't you can't be blaming them when you can't even put up a touchdown in the second half. You know, not even a field goal. Um, this was just a collapse. Uh, ten, Tennessee Tennessee's just they 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 had a ce- they had a ceiling, and I was telling people in this the the, the off season I didn't see this pro- this 
progression that Tennessee fans said was going to happen. I didn't see that happening. Josh Heupel, he's a great offensive mind, but I don't see him as a team builder in that way, and he just hasn't been able to do so this year. Tennessee has definitely taken a step back this year. And Alabama, I was talking about it last week, Alabama, they're having a bit of a resurgence from from where they, while the program looked like it was taking a step back this year, they've leveled out and they've put themselves in the driver's seat to go to the SEC championship game and maybe make the playoff with one loss. And then, of course, USC loses to Utah. For the third time in a row, 32-34, USC is a mess, in my opinion. I mean, they don't play defense down there. And then Caleb Williams' attitude is just horrendous, just terrible. I mean, it's acting like he doesn't want to be there. I would be, I would not be shocked. I've heard some rumors that he's not even going to finish playing out the season, and I wouldn't be surprised. I would not be surprised. And I just, I just, I've been saying for a long time about Lincoln Riley. He cannot coach a defense. And, he, and until he gets rid of Alex Grinch, he's not going to be able to. And even then, I'm not sure. But if he has, if Lincoln Riley is going to have any chance of putting together any semblance of a competent defense, he's got to get rid of Alex Grinch. They can't, they, they're just, Bear Alexander at Georgia was a starter as a freshman. Do you have any idea how hard it is to be a starter as a freshman at the University of Georgia? Kirby Smart's not just putting anybody out on the field. It's very difficult. That's a testament to how good Bear Alexander is. He, for some reason that I don't understand, transfers to USC, and he looks horrible out there. I mean, he does not look any what like he played at Georgia last year. He was a good player last year for Georgia. And at USC, he's just fallen off a cliff. Had had a terrible penalty at the end of the Utah-USC game that pretty much cost USC the game. And at a certain point, you have to look at the coaching. And I, Alex Grinch has, has a track record that is not good. And Lincoln Riley, if he wants to meet that next echelon in the college football world, if he wants to, to climb that mountain, he's going to have to pull the trigger and cut ties with him, as hard as that may be. And the, Lincoln Riley, after the game, he's talking, you know, that it's the media's fault because they put a magnifying glass that this team had that could, had playoff chances. And that that was unfair to the team. Well, here's the thing, Lincoln Riley. You played in the Pac-12 championship last year. You were one win away from making the college football playoff. You have the Heisman winning, the former Heisman winning quarterback on your team who's considered one of the greatest talents of all time. You are going to have that magnifying glass on you. And when you got to USC last year, you said the goal and aspiration is to contend and win national title, contend for and win national titles. And then you're going to complain that that's what the media in Los Angeles expects of you. You can't be doing that. Some of this blame has to go on Lincoln Riley because as, as bad as Alex Grinch's defenses are, Lincoln Riley's had other, has had uh, other, um, Defensive coordinator, coordinator, he had, uh, was it 
Bob Stoops, Mark Stoops, I forget. One of the Stoops brothers was his defensive coordinator at Oklahoma, and the defense was like ranked 122nd in the country that year. So at a certain point, there is a common denominator, and it's Lincoln Riley. Now, he is a quarterback whisperer. He is an offensive mastermind. But the defense is terrible, and at a certain point, a good offense for over the course of a whole season can't outplay a bad defense, can't, can't outlead a bad defense. At a certain point, they can do it for a game. A good offense can make up, compensate for a bad defense for a game, for a quarter, but over the course of a season, it's going to catch up and bite you, and that's what we're seeing happening with USC. All right, let's talk about some upcoming games for this, uh, this week. Um, Y'all know where I'm going to start it off. Um, I'm going to start it off with my Georgia Bulldogs traveling down to Gainesville, Florida to play Florida in the the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. Georgia, they've had a bye week. Brock Brock Bowers is out. It that that I'm, I'd be joking if I said it doesn't matter. I've heard some Georgia fans, oh, it don't even matter. We'll be fine without him. And then I've also heard some other fans of other teams saying that Georgia's season is over. I don't I don't think that that's the case either. I think George is going to be okay. Will the offense look different? Obviously, he's one of the greatest tight ends ever. Definitely the greatest in college football currently. And it, it, we'd be lying if we said that it wasn't going to make a difference. But is it going to make a difference playing Florida? No. Will this game be close in the first half? I would imagine so. We've seen it this year. Georgia gets an off gets off to a close start. Um, they're not going to have a huge home field advantage. I mean, down there in Gainesville, it's split down the middle. I mean, there's going to be a good atmosphere. Florida Florida's going to be like into that game early. It's three thirty, so I mean, Florida's I mean, good time slot. People are going to be watching on the TV. The the fans are going to be there. It's going to be packed out, and I would imagine that Florida has a lead. In, in, in the first half, I, I would not be surprised if at half time Georgia was down a little bit or or up or if it was very close, like if they were if they were leading, not my bunch. But I think Georgia's depth comes out in the end. Brock Bowers is not the only player on that team. And I, I in the end, I trust Kirby Smart and Carson Beck more than I trust Billy Napier. I, I mean, I I. I I just don't believe that he's going to be able to beat Kirby Smart. Now, maybe I'll come on here next week and be totally shocked, but I just don't see that that working out the way. I think Georgia ends up pulling away in the second half and winning somewhere in the neighborhood of 10 to 14 points. Because Georgia hasn't been been blowing out opponents this year, and that's okay. You only have to win by one. Would I like my team to win by more? Yes. But a win is a win is a win at the end of the day. So at the end of the day, I think Georgia wins somewhere in the neighborhood, you know, forty-two to thirty-five, somewhere like that. Because um, I do think that Florida is going to put up some points this week. I do, I do think that. Like we've said in weeks past, Georgia's defense is not the same this year. We're going to give up some points, and as Georgia fans, we've got to understand to be okay with that this year, and realize that not every year we're going to have a top three defense. All right, Oregon versus Utah. I wish I could pick Utah to win this game. I, y'all know from earlier episodes of this season, I, I 
I loved Utah going into this year. I just can't pick them without Cam Rising. And I know I, I, I picked against them last week too, I believe. But I, I, I just can't. Oregon has a real defense, unlike USC. And I just don't think the backup quarterbacks are going to be able to go blow for blow with a Dan Lanning defense and, and Bo Nix. I just don't think so. And, and so I've, I've, as much as Utah was my preseason pick, and I want to stick with that, I've had to like redact it. I just, I got to go with my gut, and Oregon wins this game, and I think that they win it not necessarily close. I, I, it's a home game for Utah, so that that that's going to play into it somewhat. That's going to give Utah a little bit of a an edge, I believe. They're coming off a huge win, a game that not a lot of people thought they were going to win. I, I think there might be a little bit of like a hangover, so to say, for that for Utah. And I think Oregon comes in into Salt Lake City and just handles business and, and wins a pretty decent game. Unfortunately, as much as I want to pick Utah, I, I, that's what I foresee happening. You know an episode wouldn't be complete without me me talking about Colorado. As much as I don't want to be talking about them, I got to talk to them about them. I talk about them a little bit. Colorado's 4 and 3. They're playing at UCLA this week. And I just want everybody to know they will be 4 and 4. I'm calling it now. UCLA wins this game. UCLA is ranked. UCLA is a good team. Colorado, I know they've had a bye week. They've had an extra week to prepare. I'm not buying into the hype. Their players are playing cocky the last time they played. Dion is just a little bit too over the top. As much as I love Dion, his coach, his this whole persona he's putting on about how everybody hates him when literally all he's getting is love from the media. It's getting a little much, and I think that they go on the road to a ranked UCLA team, and they lose, and they fall 4-4. And then the battle for bowl eligibility begins, because they still have several big games ahead that they are definitely lose. And then it's, what do you do if everybody's talking all this Dion hype, and he doesn't even make a bowl game? I think that's a real question, like a real real concern for Dion is, is he going to make a bowl game? I know he only has to win two more games, but if you look at the rest of this schedule, there's not... A whole lot of wins left on this board, uh, and, and le- le- left on the on this schedule. And I, I just think UCLA gets the win. All right, that's gonna do it for this episode. If this is true, I know it's a shorter episode. I'm sorry. Um, I'm just, I just, I don't have a lot. Of, I don't have a lot of notes for this week, and just haven't prepared. So that's on me. But thank you so much for listening. And I will see you next week.